Does a hunger for praise or fear of criticism prevent you from taking healthy risks, creating with self-assurance, or having courage to share your art? Have you ever felt abused or scarred just by criticism? In our next conversation, we'll evaluate the relationship artists have with both praise and criticism and discuss how artists can turn that relationship into a positive, constructive tool. I'm Scott Ferris. And I'm Emily Wheeler. And we'd like to welcome you today as we discuss handling criticism and praise. I think that this is such an incredibly important topic for developing artists to think about and to to ponder on because I've seen and maybe you have as well I've seen many artists who have unfortunately missed opportunities to grow and develop as artists simply because they're very fearful of what criticism they might get in their efforts I've also seen and maybe you have seen this too but I've seen a lot of artists perhaps not develop as well as they could as artists because of an unhealthy relationship with praise absolutely um, as a matter of fact, not only have I seen it, I've experienced both of those <laughs> items. <laughs> um, so. I think if we're honest, probably all artists, right? We've done both. And yeah. so it is. It's just a really great idea to at one point, and, and we hope that points today, to sit down and really think about the relationship you have with, with criticism and praise. I want to start today's conversation with just a lot of honesty, just a good, healthy dose of, dose of honesty by saying that when I was young... I was like the poster child of being a people pleaser. I don't know if you know what that's like, but yeah. <laughs> but that was me, right? As a child, as an adolescent, I was a people pleaser. And when you have that kind of personality where you uh, want to please other people, you very easily start to crave praise, right? Because it's easy to see that as approval. It's easy to see it as acceptance. It's easy to see that praise again, is just a way to please the other people around you. And when you don't get praise, when you don't get approval in that form, when you get criticism, it is really hurtful. It's, it's actually kind of paralyzing how much emotionally it hurts. And so when I was a, an adolescent, I started to notice this in myself, right? Where I was a people pleaser, um, Responded really well to praise, I thought, right? It felt good. I was happy to get it and got it a lot. Yeah. But when I was criticized, I saw how much it hurt. And knowing that I wanted to be an artist and that I was going to be exposed to a lot of criticism, I decided I wanted to change things, right? I didn't want to be as affected by criticism. And I think that what happened, Scott, is that I decided I wanted to have really thick skin, right? We hear that buzz phrase Absolutely. all the time, right? Yeah. Have really thick, thick skin. Then no matter what people say, right, it won't hurt. And, you know, what's interesting is I think I did. I think I did go through a period of time where I developed really thick skin. And so people could say things that were very um, critical of me, of how I worked as an artist, as a musician, as a composer. And it really didn't bother or affect me. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel necessarily I mean, an emotional response to that. But what started to happen that I didn't like when I had thick skin is what I just described. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel a response. I felt very separate and separated from the person giving the critique. Yeah, really disconnected. Yeah, you know, and I didn't want yeah. a barrier. I didn't want a right. barrier between me uh, and the person who is delivering the criticism. I actually kind of wanted to feel close to them. I think that's in my nature to want to connect with people or feel close to them. And I didn't like how this felt. And so it's kind of weird to say, but I think it's true that I started to work towards getting thin skin. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you hear people talk about this very often. I certainly haven't, but um, it, it was an interesting process, right? To go from having thick skin and try to grow yourself in a way where you had kind of thin skin with this idea that you wouldn't have a barrier between you and the person um, giving a, a critique. And in that process, I think that I learned a lot of things about criticism that I wanted to chat about today with you and get your perspective and maybe your feedback on, on some of these topics. Okay, so one of the first things that I learned when I started to get this thinner skin yeah. is that when you are in a position of receiving praise or criticism, it is really healthy to tame your brain to not react immediately. I, I agree wholeheartedly. My path was a little different than yours in mm -hmm. that as a, as a young child, I don't know that I was much of a people pleaser. I was really a very anonymous child. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. We moved every two years. I was a kid who came into your school. You saw him for two years. He was gone. Um, so I really, I just kind of kept my head down. I was a pretty quiet kid. I didn't really blossom until I got to college, until I got out of high school. And at that point, the the monster of being a people pleaser literally took over my life. I wanted mm -hmm. desperately to please people. And I think in that regard, I think you're right. I think the the um, criticism is, it feels so damaging when someone says something uh, critical uh, sure. about what you're doing. Um, but I think even more damaging, the praise was more damaging. I was yeah. a very moderately talented child. Not, I wasn't any big deal. Um, uh, but when somebody told me, wow, you're so talented, man, I just soaked that up like a sponge and, and probably was pretty delusional about it. As you're discussing this, you talked about developing that thick skin. That's a protection mechanism. We're right. trying, trying right. to keep from being hurt. And unfortunately, life hurts. Yeah. And so when you're talking about becoming thinner skinned, maybe, maybe that's not the right term. Maybe permeable. Hmm. Yeah. Letting yeah. some stuff pass through that thick skin barrier. Because uh -huh. I think thick skin isn't always a bad thing. I think yeah. it can be very healthy because yeah. without it, I'd probably curl up in the corner yeah. um, and just, <laughs> you know, curl up in a little ball. Yeah, you know? sure. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's tricky as artists, right? Because we hear this um, phrase often, don't take it personal, but, and then here comes the criticism that feels very personal, right? right? Because your art is nothing if not personal. So it's very, very challenging when you hear a, a critique of your work to not feel really vulnerable there, or not to feel like this is a very personal experience. It is possible though, I know through experience, right? To tame our brain, like I said yes, earlier, in a I way agree. where we can... Um, more carefully and maybe even more critically process what someone has said and not respond immediately with either um, a very kind of negative pushback and defensive feeling yeah. or to absorb it, the praise, maybe immediately in a way that feeds our ego in unhealthy manner. And so let's talk about that for just a minute, how um, we get to a place where we can start to, um, where we can start to get to a place where we more carefully consider the actual words of the critic. Oh, I think that, the, I think that that's so important because none of us like to be criticized. We know that. Okay. Um, uh, I think for me personally now, um, and I'm no longer a 20 year old artist on the, <laughs> on the front end of my career. So I've had quite a illustrious career with criticism and praise now, mm -hmm. you know, where, um, hopefully I've learned to handle it a little better. 
Um, I think for me, um, on that taming of the brain, it's always really important for me, one, to take a little bit of a breath before I respond. Um, yeah. uh, when someone is critical of an idea or something work that I've done is to take that breath and take a second and examine it. Um, examine the person who's critiquing. I would examine their motives. Why are, number one, why are they critiquing me? Is this person truly trying to help me? They're a mentor or they're someone who I actually really believe in the validity of what this person is saying in my sure. art form or, or whatever. And are they truly trying to help me? Um, are they being malicious, perhaps, because some people are? And I, it's a small percentage, but it does exist out there. Um, uh, it, what is this person's viewpoint? Because I, I think it has a lot to do um, with, with what they're bringing to this critique. They're bringing all of their experiences, et cetera, to this moment where they're critiquing you or praising you, for that matter. Um, so I think that's important, and I think it's really important. I think you you hit on it just a second ago, for me to examine and and go. Wait a minute, I'm being defensive because that's unfortunately always my first response. <laughs> if it's criticism, <laughs> this little thing comes up and goes, well, "You're wrong." <laughs> right, right. And they're not always wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's true, right, that there are some people who have great ideas in terms of what they're seeing in your art and in how they want to evaluate it, but they may lack the talent of how to articulate that, right? I've had experiences, maybe you have too, where when you're being criticized, the actual message, really if you strip it down, the, the point of it, the message of it, the idea of it is a good one. It makes a lot of sense. It's actually really good information. The delivery Maybe not always on, <laughs> incredible. On, yeah, on par. <laughs> um, I sat one time in in this critique, right? It was a music performance with a group of students, and some things had happened in the performance that, that probably weren't super high level. And <laughs> is that a polite way to say that? Yeah, that's really that was a really <laughs> nice that. way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and there were several people on a board who were present and and there with the purpose of mm -hmm. being able to watch the performance and critique it. And there was one individual who just kind of jumped in on it first to move forward with his critique and it was delivered in a really harsh, kind of aggressive, probably pretty inappropriate, probably um, pretty offensive. Maybe mean-spirited, <laughs> perhaps. It was probably kind of mean-spirited way. and. You know, what What happened is what you would expect would happen. You could see it in the students. They just weren't um, attached to what he was saying. They weren't connected to him. They had detached. They were disconnected. They were hurt. They were angry. And, and you could just see the defensive, like you're describing the defensive nature, just kind of kicking in, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, this individual used all the time we had, and so then the, the experience was over, and we left. And when we left... It's true. The students who were there, they were very turned off by it. They weren't really open to his message. Yeah. And the thing was that actually his ideas were good. I mean, he was right. He had a certain level of expertise here that the students didn't, and he had some good observations. Again, it was just a lack of talent or gift, right, in articulating the criticism. Yes. Um, so sometimes I think it's healthy for us as artists with the criticism to just really, when we push pause on our brain here a little bit, and we're not going to react immediately, to just 
then move forward with this thought, what is the message really? Even if it wasn't framed well, even if it wasn't, you know, said with the absolute most gracious words, like what, what was the gist of this? What is the point? What's the message? Because that might be really helpful and good information. Well, and I think that just comes down to human communication. Um, some people have great content, but they don't have great communication skills. Sure. Um, you know, if you really break communication down, it's only about 10% content. The rest of it is going to be body language, your passion, the skills that you communicate with verbally, all of that. And someone can say something that is absolutely true in a fashion that makes it where you can't possibly receive it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's important to understand. I think it's important for us to digest that because in the end, we are all critiquers as Mm -hmm. well. Sure. And so I think that's an important thing to realize from our perspective too, when we are giving a critique, um, to understand what is our content, how am I trying to get this across, and what is the spirit with which I'm trying to get it across. Because you're right, I've had those exact same moments where someone critiqued me, their content was spot on. Right. They were dead right, but they handled it poorly, <laughs> and I walked away angry and not listening to anything yeah. that they said, when in fact it it probably would have helped me if I had been receptive to that. Sure. So I do think that our responsibility in that time period isn't uh, isn't to force them to communicate better. It is to take that step back and say, okay, sure. how do I need to receive this? I know this person can be a jerk, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they've just said something. Does yeah. that does what they does the critique have validity? In the same way that I think, I think, uh, you know, praise has that inverse relationship. When your mom comes up and says, "Oh, honey, that was the greatest thing ever," you know, it's your mom. (laughs) Don't let that go to your head. Yeah. Okay. She loves everything you did. (laughs) She she loves the little turtle you made out of clay when you were four. You know, (laughs) little bias there. Yeah. Subtle, subtle bias. Yeah. It reminds me. um, I was looking at this statement earlier today. I think it's just really powerful. It's a, a statement made by Robert Frost, who once said that education is the ability to listen to almost anything without losing your temper or your self-confidence. And when it comes to our experience and our relationship with praise and criticism, this is so important, right? To be able to hear the criticism, hear the praise, um, whichever, and not let those words um, immediately cause us to lose our temper or our self-confidence, to, to maintain a nature here where we're still composed and clear thinking and can really evaluate the experience. Right, and you can always go to your bedroom later and cry. It's totally okay, <laughs> you know? For which, sure. Which we've all done, uh, you know. It's healthy uh, to purge it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I learned too that I think was really valuable for me is that at one point I started to recognize that when you are in an experience of receiving criticism or praise, that that moment isn't just about you. It's also very much about the critic, right? It's a moment where they're getting an opportunity to share what they value in art and if they found it in your art or if they didn't. Absolutely, yeah. I think think analyzing that perspective is so important because you're right. It could be that they see something in you and go, if only Mm -hmm. they would do this 
you know, that flower would grow, you know? And I think, wow, what an amazing thing, especially for somebody who might be a mentor or, or somebody who you respect that might be further along in your career path or something to say something of that nature. What a gift. Um, uh, I remember, uh, reading an interview uh, with Jay Leno one time, mm-hmm. comedian who was on The Tonight Show and followed Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. And his first time performing on The Tonight Show, he did his 10-minute monologue and all of that, the, the, his you know, stand-up comedy routine. And Johnny Carson, as he came off stage, said, you don't tell enough jokes. That he was relying too much on his facial expressions to gain extra laughter out of the audience. And he wasn't delivering enough comedy to the audience. You just performed on The Tonight Show and the host just told you, you don't tell enough jokes. Yeah. Ow. (laughs) And probably the most formative comment that Jay Leno ever received. Yeah. (laughs) At least if I were viewing it from my perspective, that would be an amazing moment of clarity yeah, <laughs> for me. Right, you know? right. And shows, again, right, it shows in that moment what um, Johnny Carson valued in his art, right? And That's that was correct. his way of saying, you know, what I value is <laughs> delivery of many lines, lots of jokes, right? right? Keep it moving. And of course, then you consider the source. And if this source is someone who you value, and of course it would be in that scenario, (laughs) the words have a lot of meaning. (laughs) So you really push pause and really stew over that and and allow it to kind of change you maybe and grow you. Yeah, yeah. I also think um, when it comes uh, to critique that we live in a dangerous age because we have so much information available to us that we're kind of dehumanizing the education process. Um, Steve Wozniak uh, once said... Uh, that you used to ask a smart person a question. Who do you ask now? It starts with G and it's not God. Mm. <laughs> We're asking Google. Yeah. And that in, the amount of information that's available to us at our fingertips is incredible. Even if it's not always accurate, it's incredible. But there's no context. Right. So I can learn anything, but... I think much of the arts are a mentor-apprentice relationship that you, you work with someone who has done this more than you have, and they can short-circuit that learning curve by saying, oh yeah, cerulean blue is great, but if you really want to make that mm-hmm. color, why don't you do an overlay with this yeah. and, and, and get you to the end game faster just because they have so much experience. Sure. Google has knowledge. It doesn't have experience. And don't you think it can be so powerful, really, when, when you are the person receiving criticism, if you can cultivate just very sincere gratitude? Oh, yeah. You know, just be grateful that yes. the person is even, you know, experiencing your art, that they're looking at it, they're reading, they're reading it, they're listening to it, you know, and just be appreciative that they've put time into looking at what it is you're making, and then just be grateful. Be grateful that they have thought about it at the level where they have feedback, you know, that they've made observations and to just appreciate that person's time and their, their perspective and their insight. You may not agree with it, right? But be grateful that they're at least just, you know, experiencing your art and giving you feedback. And, and being involved mm-hmm. on a human level with what your aspirations are and what your hopes and dreams are. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's so important. Because when it works well, you know, when someone is critiquing well and someone is receiving the critique well, or when someone's praising well and someone's receiving the praise well, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that is a very humanizing, um, growth-promoting experience. I mean, that really is a tender experience. It is. And I think it's really important at whatever stage you're at in your career that you keep that in perspective. When I'm producing records at my studio, one of the things I say all the time, I tell people, is that I have my big boy pants on all the time. <laughs> you don't have to pull punches. Mm -hmm. You can just tell me the truth. If you like what I'm doing, great. If you don't, that's okay. It yeah. might hurt my feelings sometimes, but I'll get over that. Mm -hmm. I, when I work with artists, um, uh, I think it's really important to define, let's say I'm working with a country artist. We put the song in the middle when we're recording it, and the song is king. Mm -hmm. If you'll listen to that, it will tell you what it needs. It's not my ego. It's not your ego. It's this song. And if all of our critiques are based on what makes the song better, not what makes you worse yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or proves that you're not as good as me or whatever, right. that's all garbage. But if we put the artwork in the center and we make that the what we're striving for, I think that also helps yeah, soften the that. blow yeah, of a that. critique. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that we make it about the art. And that art, yes, it's a part of you, but it is a separate entity. Sure. Or at least that's what we're hoping <laughs> is that it has some kind of life of its own. Yeah, I love that. That's what it's about, right? It's about trying to find a way to um, progress. It's about trying to find a way to grow your art and to serve it and give it what will help it, you know, to be the strongest it can be. Absolutely. Um, well, I've enjoyed this conversation. Well. It allows me, myself even, right, to revisit these topics and think about how it's relevant in my life. And we're hoping that for those of you listening, that some things have been said today that will give you uh, a new perspective or a refined perspective on how to look at praise and criticism in a healthy way as an artist. Yeah, thanks for joining us. <laughs>